It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into to a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, you were made for this moment. And thank you to the team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. And it is a great Monday because it's a Brad Beck Monday. Hey, Brad Beck, it's great to have you in studio. Well, thank you, Kim. It's great to be alive and be in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I love Colorado, but the Colorado that I moved to is different than the Colorado we have here now, Brad Beck. It is, but, you know, it's still worth fighting for. And, you know, we're commemorating D-Day today. And if we do what we need to do every day to fight compared to what those folks who had fortitude on those beaches that day to get off those landing craft yeah you know we can do a little bit more we we can do a little bit more and what a show we have planned for for everyone today so in this first hour uh, we'll be talking about some of these headlines probably a lot about d-day and then Peggy Probst is running for State Board of Education CD8 which is that new congressional district and I met her Actually, I met her a long time ago, but uh, I was up at the Memorial Day Parade for Commerce City, and she was there. And uh, so I got to talk with her again, and she said, hey, can I come on the show? And ab- absolutely. Uh, you candidates that are out there, if you want to get on the show, reach out to me. Of course, the um, primary ballots are going to start to be mailed out today. Yeah. Today. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, we're, we're in it right now, Brad Beck. Well, any person who steps up and has the courage of their conviction to run for public office, whether you agree with them or not, that's something that we should all do. It's part of our public duty of service to our communities. And I thank them and their families. It's not just the candidate. It, uh, it's really a, a, all those around them. And there are so many great candidates that are stepping forward. I was as I was driving in today, I, I was thinking a lot about just the challenges that we face. Brad, I, I was thinking about the southern border. They say that there's 250,000 people coming in every month. Where are these people going? I mean, I'm concerned that there's some bad actors that are creating an army. Yes. And, you know, we are concerned about what's happening in the world with Ukraine and trying to keep the sovereignty of their borders. And yet there's no concern in our government about keeping our borders secure. And it's not to necessarily keep people out. It's to say we're a sovereign nation and there are laws. Mm -hmm. And there's ways for people to come here legally, as all our ancestors did. But you just can't have an egress of back and forth with a welfare state. Right, exactly. that's part of the problem. I have no problem with people who want to come here and live the the good life, the Uh American way of life, the American dream. Mm -hmm. But there's got to be a way to do it. And by breaking the law initially, I don't care what the reason is, 
there's a process, mm-hmm. and we all have to go through those processes mm-hmm. in our daily lives. Uh, this is part of the American way. And so unless that welfare state goes away, I have to say we need to strengthen our border, mm-hmm. both on north and south. Mm-hmm. Most people are keeping their eye on the southern border. But I've got to tell you, there's a lot going on from the northern border as well. Well, and the litmus test really should be if you are coming here for free stuff or if you're coming here and you want to hurt us, then you no, nope, you can't come here. So. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm very, very concerned about that. But it is, it is D-Day, and uh, I didn't let everyone know in the second hour, and you're going to stay for the second hour Absolutely. as well, is uh, I had gotten to know him. I've done several different interviews with him. He just turned 100 years old, Major General John Ron, and he was on the beaches uh, on Omaha Beach on D-Day, and I thought, this is just perfect. And um, I just got the willies. Did you? <laughs> well, I called him, and I said... General Ron, I'd really love to have you on for D-Day. And he said, well, I've got a couple of Army Rangers coming over a little bit later. But because we've done so many interviews, he said, for you, I'll do it. So, my friends, this is going to be super awesome. So, uh, Producer Steve, it is a Monday, and uh, this team that I get to work with, it is a great team. And um, it it is D-Day. And I can't wait to talk with General Ron in hour number two. Yeah, you probably already have said that it's the 78th uh, remembrance of that. I did not say that yet. Okay, well, 78th, coming up on 80 years, and I, it's still, I mean, obviously I wasn't there for it or around yet, but still I can't com- comprehend how many decades have passed since the liberation began of Europe and what it, you know, the market made on the world today. Well, and as you all know, I do this other show, America's Veterans Stories, and... Sunday show was super interesting. Uh, Trisha Hood's husband, Donald Hood, he passed on in 2012. But he, a Vietnam veteran, a member of the 82nd Airborne, but he was an optometrist. And the Army had decided that they wanted to have an optometrist on the um, front lines. And uh, because they, they felt that that would be, um, they would be able to get soldiers that were wearing glasses back into combat quicker. So here his, is this optometrist, 82nd Airborne, jumping in to, to front lines. It's pretty amazing, Brad Beck. That is. Well, you can't see what you're shooting at. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> then it's so a problem. You need to have a problem. <laughs> and so that is our story. But anyway, my America's Veterans Story show began because in 2016, I had the great honor to go to Normandy and accompany four D-Day veterans. There was about 26 of us on, on the whole group that went. And... Brad, I always kind of knew about D-Day, my dad, my uncles, I'd heard about it, but it wasn't until I was standing on the beaches, and there is, on Utah Beach, there's a Higgins boat, and those Higgins boats were the, those landing craft, those flat-bottom landing craft. Did you know that the sides were wood? No, I didn't. The only part that was metal was that that front. Front gate, yeah. That front gate, because they were manufacturing them so quickly. And uh, so the two of the guys that we were with, Frank DeVita, was um, Higgins' boat ramp operator, and Joe Shida was a, a, a pilot, or you know, the the captain, you know, the, steered the boat. And uh, I was standing right behind them at that memorial, or, or that uh, where that Higgins' boat um, was, and they were looking out into the channel, and I was just standing behind them, <clears throat> and I heard one say to the other. Do you remember the first day the water was red? It wasn't until the third day the water was pink. 
And I was just thinking of all those loved ones, um, you know, sons and brothers and husbands. Uh, and it, it, I think at that moment, it, it changed me. Yeah. You just can't imagine what those men went through. Mm-hmm. And to have that split second of fortitude, just, you know, the fear is driving mm-hmm. you. But you have to go forward yeah. because your buddy's in front of you and inside of you and back of you, and you don't want to let him down. But the bigger challenge I think they had is once they got there, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's bullets whizzing past you. You're totally um, unfamiliar with the terrain of the land, and yet you still go forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. I, my heart's filled with gratitude today. Mine as well. And the other thing that I hadn't really thought about, so Frank DeVita, I have done several interviews with him, is um, I think they had 30 guys on those boats. And in that first wave, only three of his guys made it to the beach. And then what happened that day, though, I hadn't thought about this, is they would dump, they would um, deliver the guys to the beaches and then go back. But then what happened is, is they would go into the beaches, the dead and the wounded would be put on the Higgins boat. They go back to the, the ship. The guys there would take off the dead and the wounded. And then they got in those boats and went to the beaches. I mean, it's mind boggling. Yeah, you can't imagine it. it uh, the movie Saving Private Ryan in the beginning, that opening scene mm-hmm. is probably as close as any of us will ever get to it. That's what they've said. And um, just the sound effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only thing that would make that movie more poignant is if there was smell. Because it just, you can't imagine. I've read some stories of uh, the blood and and the smell of death all around them. Um, Guys wetting their pants because of the fear. I mean, it's just amazing Mm -hmm. to me that they would still go on, Mm -hmm. and those that survived had some guilt. You can understand why there was PSD. Why me? And And yet we we persevered. It's an amazing thing. And that is going on in Ukraine right now, Mm -hmm. men who are trying to save their country Mm -hmm. and the patriotism. And, um, you know, I don't know everything that's going on there because I don't trust the media. But Mm -hmm. anybody who stands up for the freedom of their nation, uh, that's pretty powerful. And the the amazing thing about it is, by the end of the day, June 6, 1944, we had a toehold on those beaches, which is pretty amazing. So we're going to go to break here in just a moment. But uh, Peggy Probst has snuck in, and she is running... For State Board of Education, CD8, which is so important, and we're going to focus on you in this next segment, so it's great to have you here. Great. I'm really excited to be here this morning, Kim. Okay. Our quote for today, and before we get to that, the show comes to you. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through this lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And my friends, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation. That's a big one right now. And then this globalist elite's agenda. And uh, so the show comes to you because of all the support you give us, as well as great partners. Liberty Toastmasters is one of my partners as well as Hooters Restaurants. And uh, it's a, my relationship with Hooters Restaurants, it's really a freedom story. You can go to my website and read that, but it's about free markets and capitalism and freedom. And good food. And good food. <laughs> and they actually have burger specials, $11, if you can believe that. They are keeping the line 
on their burger specials, and they have all kinds of great burgers there. So be sure and uh, check that as, that out as well. But our quote for today, and I'll go to uh, each of you on this, uh, and that is uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. He was the American military officer. He was a statesman. He was our 34th president. But during World War II, he was the supreme commander of the Allied Expeditionary uh, Forces in Europe. He was a five-star general. Did you know there was only one six-star general? No. Want to know who it is? George Washington. Huh? The only six-star general. But anyway, born in 1890, died in 1969. And I will go to you first, Brad Beck. This is what Dwight D. Eisenhower said. For every obstacle, there is a solution. Persistence is the key. The greatest mistake is giving up. And I was thinking about it. That man knew he was sending guys to their deaths, but they all believed they were in there for something bigger. But what you again, for every obstacle, there is a solution. Persistence is the key. The greatest mistake is giving up. Brad Beck. Well, persistence is something that reminds me of... Uh it's menial compared to this, but I had to fix a toilet this weekend. And uh, talk about frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I persisted, and I got it to the point where I almost got you it working. You could call a plumber? <laughs> no, I need to call a plumber. <laughs> I did something that I can't fix, but I'm persistently trying to fix things. So. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Peggy Probst, what's your thoughts about for every obstacle there's a solution? Persistence is the key. The greatest mistake is giving up. Well, I think I'd have to come back with another quote from Frederick Douglass, and Frederick Douglass said it so articulately. Nevertheless, there is no time for the friends of freedom to fold their arms and consider their work at an end. The price for liberty is eternal vigilance. To be vigilant and to be persistent in those things that we believe in and to fight for them is critical for us to win. And that's why these candidates stepping forward are so important. Okay, producer Steve. I'm no military historian, but I had to believe that that day, uh, June 6, 44, was the greatest military endeavor ever taken. And obstacle, in terms of going after Fortress Europe, uh, what I guess that's what Hitler referred to, what he had created there, you can see that that attitude was prevalent amongst all the different methodologies that were used to get, get that toehold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the guys that we went with, Guy Whidden, was with the 101st Airborne. And they jumped in behind enemy lines about 3 o'clock in the morning. But I was just thinking from a logistics standpoint. They had to have rations for three days. They had the little clickers to identify them. Just the logistics is amazing. But let's go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Peggy Probst about uh, her run for a State Board of Education, which, my friends, our kids are under attack. This is so important. Stay tuned. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Medical freedom, patient choice, and informed consent are all staples of comprehensive health care. You'll find exactly that at Roots Medical, located in the Denver Tech Center, offering specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Functional, comprehensive, primary health care. Roots Medical. 
getting to the root of your health care concerns. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. In studio with me is Brad Beck and Peggy Probst. She is a candidate for State Board of Education, this new Congressional District 8. Great to have you here, Peggy. This is super important. I think people hadn't really been paying as much attention to as education kind of had a real trust factor going on. And through COVID, uh, parents uh, on online uh, classes, they're like, what? And so this is very important. Why have you decided to run for uh, State Board of Education? So, well, Kim, thanks for asking. So, you know, I was on the State Board of Education from 2004 to 2010, back in the 5th Congressional District, representing El Paso County Teller. Uh, But really, when we are elected by congressional districts, you really represent all kids in the state of Colorado. So it's not specifically to your district. Um, Back when I was on the State Board of Education, on August 3rd of 2010, right as I was getting off, we had one of the Republicans defect and vote with three Democrats to implement the Common Core, the National Common Core in the state of Colorado. And I was horrified. I led the effort against that. Bob Schaefer, myself, uh, Pam Suka, and I all voted against implementing Common Core in the state of Colorado because really our kids are anything but common. We had very high and clear and few Colorado model content standards back then. And I warned my friends. I said, if we go down this path of Common Core, we're going to see declining test scores. We're going to see standards that don't necessarily align with what Colorado parents want their kids to know. We're going to have to go to the national national uh, standards. Well, as we know, what happens is, is when you have standards, you have assessments to test, are we teaching those kids what they are supposed to know and be able to do by the time they get out of kindergarten, third, fifth, seventh, 11th grades. Um, And so when we uh, test the kids, we know that the teachers teach to the test. And so when you have standards that are national standards that are going to not necessarily have the moral fabric we want woven into them. So over the last 12 years, we've seen a decline in test scores. We've seen a decline in what kids are know, what they know and are able to do. Uh, when we, when I was on the State Board of Education, I thought it was atrocious that we only had 60% of the kids that could read at late grade level when they left third grade. Now it is flip-flopped. We only have 40% of our kids in the state of Colorado that can read at grade level by the time they exit third grade. And to me, that is unacceptable. And I want to go back and I want to fix that. And I want to go back, I tell you, I just, Kim, I hear parents screaming because you're exactly right. They heard and they saw what their kids were learning and they were horrified when they saw it online because it did not align with their family values and what they wanted their kids to know. Teachers were stepping outside the bounds on what they were um, exposing children to. Peggy, uh, it's remarkable. And actually, it's been going on for a long time regarding some of this particular content. So have you ever looked at the Celine Kansas 
uh, eighth grade test from 1895? Not yet. Oh, my gosh. You should take a look at that. Have you looked at that, yeah, Brad? You, we talked about it once before. Yeah. And the standards back then and, and how the youth back then were treated totally differently. I mean, they learning Latin and, and you know, who would think? You know, that's yeah. the root of our English language. I know. And today we can't even speak English. I know. So my dad went to a little two-room school for grade school in um, in Kansas and has a high school education, super innovative, creative. Uh, and I, would, I spent a lot of time with him. He would quote Shakespeare to me. And here he had a high school education, but this, this education of these little two-room schoolhouses you know, throughout the country, these were the men then that ended up many times on these beaches. Mm-hmm. And they had this understanding of something bigger than them. And Peggy, I am so concerned about content. First of all, as I've looked at this, there's only a certain amount of hours in the school day. And so you choose what you're teaching. And I really think that we should have fewer administrators and really have teachers have their talents to be able to teach. Um, But we know that there are some teachers with this agenda. And so instead of using school hours for reading, writing, arithmetic, civics, history, science, time is being spent on CRT or whatever. They, they, They may say, oh, we're not teaching CRT, but they're teaching some version of that which is instead of looking at these kids as individuals, they're looking at at them as a member of a group and then trying to pit themselves against each other. And then this whole sexualizing of our children, Peggy Probst, I mean, I'm beyond, I don't know what to say. I can't can't believe it. I think you join the rest of parents uh, out there. You know, parents and grandparents, we are all concerned. And, you know, the question is, is that the chicken or the egg? Um, I have uh, talked to a number of students that are going through colleges of education in the state of Colorado, and they're learning these things. This is what they're learning to go then go teach to our children in the schools. And so we've got to stop this in the universities. You know, and one of the things that we have authority over on the State Board of Education is accrediting universities of education in the state of Colorado. Um, back when I was on the board, we didn't accredit Greeley for a while, UNC, because they weren't teaching teachers how to teach kids how to read. And they would come in and we're like, we're using this reading program to teach. And I'm like, good job, but that's an assessment tool. You know, Dibbles is an assessment tool, not a reading program. Good job. Go back to the drawing board. And so we've got to make sure that we're looking at our universities, that teachers are going to come out um, not knowing uh, anything but how to teach those basics, reading, writing, math, you know, arithmetic, factual history instead of critical race theory, mm-hmm. American exceptionalism instead of putting our country down and telling us that we're either oppressors or oppressed, which is also a way to do privileged, not privileged mm-hmm. for critical race theory. Um, they won't say it, but it is taught within our schools. I want to go back with my colleagues, and it's going to take two of us on the State Board of Education to get a majority. Um, so, you know, uh, Molly Lamar is running for CD six and we've got Dan Malloyt running for the at-large seat. Boy, it would be really great if we could get all three of us on and just have a super majority on the State Board of Education who would all agree on this. Right now, I'm going to be going um, up to Estes Park tomorrow morning or on Wednesday morning um, because they're going to be discussing the State Board of Education as an off-site meeting 
we're going to be discussing more of the civics and history standards. And I think that the group that was legislatively put together to look at our history and civic standards heard a message loud and clear from hundreds and thousands of parents that wrote to the State Board of Education saying, we're not okay with these. We want you to go back and teach our kids factual history. We want you, certainly we want to acknowledge that, you know, our founders, while they were flawed, set up the greatest government Mm -hmm. system the world has ever known. And we need to acknowledge that and go back and make sure that while we are compassionate and know about different races and who's done what, we should not turn our country into people that are against one another, oppressors and oppressed. We've got to come together collaboratively um, as patriots, as American citizens, uh, to look before we're leaning in our future. Mm -hmm. Peggy Probst, um, what I'm understanding is that parents are taking their kids out of the government-run schools Uh, in uh, big numbers. Mm -hmm. Over a million kids nationwide have been taken out of public schools. Okay. And uh, at this particular point in time, I talk to a lot of parents and they say, get your kids out of these schools. So what's your thoughts on that? You know, I I certainly, I had the opportunity. um, I kind of did the same thing way back when. You know, I homeschooled my own kids for seven years because I didn't like what I saw going on in schools in the state that we were living in. Um, put my kids in a charter school, which is a public school of choice. It's still a public school. They still get funding um, and also taught in a Christian school. You know, I think uh, it's a difficult situation because if parents can't trust that their kids are going to go to school and learn what is basic for a foundational education and not have their values undermined from what the parents should be teaching their kids. God gave us that authority as parents to teach and train our kids. And teachers are supposed to come alongside to uh, assist in that with academic type of uh, content to, to raise that up, not to inculcate morals and values that would undermine a family. Um, Some people are not going to have that choice, though. Some people have two parents working in school. This is not going to turn around overnight. I wish it was. Um, But I'm certainly not going to go in and go just rearrange chairs on the deck of the Titanic. We've got to make sure that we fundamentally make a change in the way that education is approached in the state of Colorado. Um, You know, I love that some of the schools... Uh, in the past that have been put on accreditation watch, they literally went in and they said, uh, we're putting in new administration here and everybody that's a teacher here has to reapply for your job. And here are the standards that you have to know and be able to do to be able to apply for your job in our school. And that would be a commitment to not undermine the morals and values of our parents. Um, I feel for those parents right now, but boy, vigilance, they've got to be there. You know, they can't step out of the game anymore. We can't just be complacent and sit by and say, oh, everything's going well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to be there and challenge the people. I don't know that it's going to change as quickly as it needs to unless we have parents and groups of people that come out with lawsuits and say, I don't want this taught in my school to my kids. I don't want a third grade teacher who is sitting there t- talking to my kid about, you know, Tommy has two mommies um, and is a, a drag queen at night uh, and telling the kids about that, that it's a perfectly acceptable lifestyle. We have got to stop. It's it's criminal, honestly, of, of inculcating and like a, and molding our kids uh, to become um, sexually deviant thoughter thinkers. Well, this is this is the thing that has me so concerned is this has really been grooming children. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of any parents out there that are up for their their children being groomed for for this. 
particularly, not even particularly, and then the kids can't read. Right. Uh, okay. Brad Beck, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I would ask Peggy the, the following. You know, we honor our teachers. They're so important. They're, they're a critical part of the future because they're teaching our children. So how do you address the teachers union? How do you work with them? Because they are an entity that are powerful mm-hmm. and still be able to do the things you're asking them to do. So, well, that's a really great question, Brad. Um, you know, <laughs> It comes back to also not only the State Board of Education, we have got to have local boards of education be in this ballpark with us. We've got to be playing the same game. Um, We've got to have local school boards come in and um, just say that we're not going to be part of the union. We're not going to. Teachers are afraid to come out because they're afraid of losing Mm -hmm, their jobs. There are good teachers out there. They are people who are passionate about education and teaching our kids. They're frustrated. And we have got to come together with some sort of a group that allows teachers to have a voice to say, I'm not going to do this in my school district. And if they should fire me, we're going to legally come after you because I'm simply doing what I was called to do, and that's to teach and train your children to be productive citizens within our country, to know how to read and write and spell and stop the social promotion. Um, You know, the unions are large, but they are not invincible. And I think we've got to continue to fight back against them. You know, there's a great book, uh, Standing Up Against uh, Goliath, Mm -hmm. and I got to hear the author of that book, whose name escapes me right now, but uh, they're doing those types of things. But it's amazing, that battle is tough because if you're one voice against the unions you have no place to go but if you can get several people saying look to your point i'm here to teach the student and that's what my job is we've got to get that across and Mm -hmm. teaching civics to me is so important to understand personal responsibility and self-restraint and be self-assertive but to have civic knowledge to understand our role and I don't think our kids are getting that today. So how do you implement that? Oh, well, we've, we've got to go back and we've got to have teachers that just are going to be in the classroom saying, you know, that goes back to the standards, right? We've got to have those clear and high and few standards. Um, we not need to not have revisionist history within our schools. Go back to American exceptionalism. Um, I can't tell you the number of parents that I run into. They're like, well, are you going to implement cursive again? Because our kids mm-hmm. can't even read the founding documents, right, that founded our nation. Um, so I always taught my kids cursive when I taught. Um, and parents were thankful for it. But we, we have to go back. And as you say, how do we coalesce those groups of teachers together to be able to stand and stand strong and be a large group and a majority? Um, so many teachers are leaving the profession today. I've, I've talked to so many that are retiring because they're tired of the battle. But we have got to stay in the battle. We've got to come behind and be around these teachers to say, no, stay in there. We're behind it. We've got your back. We're looking at adjusting the standards. We're going to, you know, uh, have accreditation for schools where uh, we're going to come in and, and look and make sure that your teachers know how to teach kids how to read. You know, one of my dreams is to come in and to do what is called literacy labs for our teachers. Come alongside them because many of them came out of colleges and universities that didn't t- teach kids how to read, you know, teach teach them how to teach kids how to read. Um, to have literacy labs with master teachers where we would say, watch me do it, let's do it together, and then let me watch you do it. And uh, even though the READ Act has been a good thing in the state of Colorado, it's an assessment. Teachers go in, go they go read. But nobody watches their, their uh, and or have modeled it for them on what really excellent uh, literacy acquisition is. Let's come alongside. Let's stop the social promotion for kids. How kids get through 12th grade 
and only read at a second or third grade level is beyond comprehension to me. You know, it's highway robbery from for the uh, taxpayers. <laughs> it is. is what it is. So. It is. When you have college professors saying, "I have to come in and I have to teach my kids how to read, how to cre- critically think, you know, think math, critically about things, math. how to do math, how to do simple mathematic um, computation," it's it is. It's a, taxpayers are wasting their money mm-hmm. if we don't go back in and aren't vigilant about what's going to be going on in our schools. Okay, Peggy Probst. First of all, thank you for stepping forward to run for. Uh, uh, let's see, a State Board of Education, CD8. How can people get more information about you? So thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to, to end with a quote here before I give my website address, But and I think I said it a little bit earlier, but I want it in this segment. Um, Frederick, Drug, Frederick Douglass was so articulate when he said, nevertheless, this is no time for the friends of freedom to fold up their arms and consider their work at an end because the price for liberty is eternal vigilance. Parents, be vigilant. Grandparents, be vigilant. If you'd like to dig in deeper, find out a little bit more what my policies are on critical race theory, some of the indoctrination that's happening in our schools, things that we're going to do to move forward, because I really believe I can win the 8th congressional seat. I'm the only person, really, that has the experience of having been on the State Board of Education the last 40 years, I've spent a lot of time in education between being the chair, vice chairs of charter schools, um, having been an educator myself, homeschooled, charter school, private school, been the director of a federal grant called Gear Up for the state of Colorado, focusing on first generation at risk kids um, for three years. You know, I have the experience uh, to go in and go make a difference in the lives of kids, and we've got to hit the ground running. We don't have time to sit back and just be complacent about this. Uh, I would love to go into retirement. (laughs) Let's be honest. We all, but it's not going to happen. This was not on my bucket list, but I, I am so passionate about this. I have eight grandkids. And this is important to all of us. So if people want to, they could go to Peggy Probst for kids. That's P-E-G-G-Y, P-R-O-P-S-T, the number four kids.com. Um, they can also go to my Facebook page, Peggy Probst, and that one is spelled out, F-O-R kids, Peggy Probst for kids. Uh, like and share on Facebook. We've really got to get the message out uh, to ensure that we get through this election and get uh, our a majority that's going to be a conservative majority back on the State Board of Education. Okay. Well, Peggy, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate that. And uh, Brad Beck, I think this is going to segue beautifully into your essay that we'll be publishing this weekend, and that is The Cerebral Crisis. So before we go to break, though, another great sponsor of the show is Kirsch Insurance Group. They are specialists in the Medicare arena. They work with a lot of different carriers, so that means there's options and choice. We like options and choice, Brad Beck. And uh, so uh, Danielle, Marlene, Uh, Naomi, the whole team over there can really help you. It's great to have them on your side of the table if you have any Medicare questions. And so that is ikirsch.com, I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. We'll be right back with Brad Beck and Peggy Probst. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. 
You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Franktown Firearms owns their name and their word. They never compromise on their beliefs. They never go back on a promise, and they run their gun range the same way. Family-operated and family-friendly, Franktown Firearms doesn't answer to a corporate office. For multiple generations in business on the same property, they believe in the power of a handshake. Their team has fought to keep their range completely independent so they can go to sleep at night knowing they did it their way. Nobody would call this crew politically correct, but they treat their clients of all ages with respect and decency. They know you work hard for your money, too, so they count it an honor when you spend it with them. Stop in today and mention KLZ to get half off the initiation fee on any membership type and get access to the range after hours. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Brad Beck is in studio and has a great essay that we'll be rolling out in the newsletter this weekend, The Cerebral Crisis. And I love the way you started this. The climate crisis, the COVID crisis, the currency crisis, crisis after crisis. So what was your thought process in coming up with this, Brad Beck? Well, there's so many things that you hear that, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. And you listed them (laughs) off. Plus, I love alliteration. So I put that in there. But the problem I think we face today is a, a lack of thinking, especially critical thinking, and looking at things from all sides, right, wrong, left, right, up, down. People just say, hey, I heard it on the news or so-and-so said. And my problem with that is you're not looking at the issue from all sides to make up your own decision. We're spoon-fed a lot of things. So I had an interesting experience. I was asked to mentor a young lady, and I've been asked to do do a lot lot of of mentoring for young people, especially in the focus of public speaking. After and our, candidates. I know candidates reach out to you all the time, too. I've worked with a lot yeah. of people who have run for office, Peggy, at one time, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, on public policy ideas as well. And how do you get that message out clearly, concisely? So this young lady was uh, asked to ask this organization she was working with if she could find somebody to help her with her confidence in public speaking. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. So we got together, and, you know, she was dressed just perfectly. She was a single mom, and she had a lot of confidence. And, you know, I was just listening to her articulate things and her situation and how she got in there. But she was passionate about what was happening or happened to indigenous people here in America. Uh, And I thought, okay, you know, listen, tell me more. And she was going through a class and had to make a 10-minute speech on how the Caucasian white uh, uh, race, if you will, really affected the Native peoples. And I listened, I bit my tongue, and I said, oh, tell me more, and she did. And I was there to help her, I wasn't there to judge her. So I gave her a lot of ideas on how to gain confidence in speaking. I gave her uh, the suggestion of, first, make sure you know that what your time 
is to speak. Right. Second, make sure that you know that you practice. So what's your rate of speaking, I asked her, and she had no clue. And so we worked on that formula, which is in the article, and basically reading something out loud for a minute, mm-hmm. counting your words, doing it three times, dividing by three, you're going to come up with your average. On average, most women speak about 150 words per minute, most men 125 I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> and uh, you get an average. Well, this young lady was 140 words per minute. And I said, wait, 10 minutes, you have 1,400 words. Back that down. Have emphasis, pauses. If you use humor, revealing humor, something self-effacing, not a joke. And get people comfortable with the subject. And so she worked on that. She went out and wrote her, her presentation. And we worked on it. Her delivery, how she was going to look at the audience, who her audience was, how was she going to uh, get them to at least agree on, on some points. And as I'm reading this, I am getting madder and madder and madder because it was all opinion. And it was beautifully written. I mean, very well written. Yet the substance, the context of what she was writing was totally wrong. So we got together another time, and we reviewed it, and we edited it, and so forth. And I said, do me a favor, if you will. Would you please look up the Crow Creek Massacre? So she did. And we got together again, and she looked it up. She said, oh, my goodness. I never knew. And for those listeners who have never looked it up, I encourage you to do so. Because in around 1325, there was a group of uh, Native peoples living up up by Chamberlain, South Dakota. And their village was attacked. Now, back in 1325, to my knowledge, the only Anglo-Caucasian civilization on this continent was about 2,000 miles away, the Norsemen. I don't even think they were still around, but they came around 1,000 A.D. to Newfoundland, Mm -hmm. and they colonized that area, and they, they did have some interaction with the native peoples, but they, as far as I can gather, never came that far inland. So you gotta ask yourself a question, how did a massacre happened of about 500 individuals just around the uh, Missouri River and just north of Chamberlain, South Dakota. And when the archaeologists came through there, they found that there was head trauma, scalping, uh, at least that's what their, you know, the remains of mm-hmm. these individuals, but 500 individuals in a mass burial. And I asked her, how did that happen? And she had no answer, of course. And I, we started talking about human nature and, you know, people wanting things that didn't belong to them or people encroaching on other people's land at the time. And so there's this idea of, oh, they've got food over there and I don't have over here. Let's just go over there and raid them. And, oh, by the way, you know, we'll steal the women, mm-hmm. slavery, mm-hmm. and slaughter the men and the children. That has been part of human history from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So we had this back and forth, and she ended up adapting her presentation because I said, if you want to get anywhere with a guy like me who looks at original sources and reads the history and says, how did that happen? Tell me more. I want to understand. Then all of a sudden, she started to open up and go, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. And we had a great dialogue, and I said, you know, one of the things you got to think about is how is your audience going to react and be brought into what you're trying to do is to persuade and to inform and to educate and to persuade you need to get people to go yeah I I see your point of view you may not agree with it but you may come to some common ground and move things forward so we had this great dialogue and she changed her presentation 
small victory. She still went on and still was a social justice warrior, if mm-hmm. I could put that around her. But, you know, we have to have that dialogue with people we disagree with. And the two things I said, you know, that really changed her mind was what I call PC, and it's not being politically correct. It's what's your premise and what is the context that you're trying to uh, speak about. You know, if the premise is this group of people is bad and today is right, I'm going to ask you, okay, what was the context of the time? What was going on? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because we're looking at things in our lens today, Mm -hmm. but we have no idea how those people thought at that time. It's like getting a dictionary from the time that our country was founded and reading the words and what they meant at that time. Not Mm -hmm. today. It's not interpretive. It's not a living document. It's what do those folks understand through history and original sources and their experience. They understood things that today we listen and read and look at things and go, I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because our education pretty much doesn't give us the opportunity to what Peggy was saying earlier, to understand these things, to read cursive, to understand that this is a longstanding human nature problem that we have. And we don't understand human nature. I mean, if you, Dennis Prager says it beautifully, you know, when he talks to people and says, are people basically good or bad? You know, we're all flawed in some degree. We're, we're basically bad. That's what we tell mm-hmm. our kids a hundred times. Don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. You know, they don't learn things. And we have to train people. And we have to talk to people. And we have to explain to people. So it takes time. And that's why there's good parenting and bad parenting. And parents need to be involved in this critical thinking that I don't think today children are allowed to do. We're giving them information. We're not letting them learn certain lessons that we all learned. You know, when mm-hmm. you fall off the bike, you get back on. You mm-hmm. may be crying, mm-hmm. but, you know, your dad's going to say, come on, get back on that thing. Mm-hmm. Brad, I think that's so important, you know, just talking about teaching kids how to think and not what to think. Right. Absolutely. Hey, let's go to break. This is such a great conversation. Brad Beck is in studio as well as Peggy Probst. Before we go to break, though, um, charity nonprofit that I've adopted because of all this work that I've done with veterans is the USMC Memorial Foundation. They are raising money to remodel the uh, Marine Memorial which is located out at Colfax and 6th Avenue. And you can buy a brick to, um, to honor one of those in your family who has ser- uh, served in the military or certainly can donate. That website is usmcmemorialfoundation.org. That's usmcmemorialfoundation.org. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. 
Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com. Thank you to all of you who support us. In studio with me is Peggy Probst, and you're going to stay for the second hour, but you are running for State Board of Education, CDA. To, uh, what is your website? It's Peggy Probst for Kids. That's P-E-G-G-Y-P-R-O-P-S-T, the number four kids.com. Okay, and Brad Beck, as we're going through this, this essay, uh, which will roll out this weekend, the cerebral crisis, I want to just address something. Because you said when you sat down with this young woman, and um, she was very, I think, heartfelt on this presentation that she was going to give, social justice warrior, caring about people, and you said you got mad. I've had the same situation, and it wasn't, or I'm thinking, I wasn't mad at her. Right. I was mad at the system that is indoctrinating this without it looking at all sides. And only focusing on the flaws of what the uh, Caucasian male has uh, done for our country instead of the complete picture. And so I, I wanted to just quickly address that because I, when my kids would come home, I was mad, but they thought I was mad at them. It's taken a while for me to kind of get my brain around that. Am I correct on that? Absolutely. And the thing that I did is I just sat back and took a deep breath and didn't respond, but I asked the question, why is that important to you? And she paused for a minute and said, I don't, that's a good question. You know, I'm, I'm concerned about people. I said, really, tell me more. And I kept asking, like a five-year-old, the why question. And peeling back the onion, it was all emotion, which is fine. I don't disregard the emotional aspect of it. But I asked her to look at things from a factual position take strip the emotion out of it and through doing that we had a dialogue and i think we have to have more critical thinking you know a great quote by thomas j watson i found a little company called ibm who said uh, thought has been the father of every advance i did not think has cost millions and i would also say cost lives if we don't think critically we can lose people and we have been losing people in the battle of ideas in real battles so we've got to be mindful of how we approach especially young people today i used to be part of a group called hobie Hugh O'Brien youth leadership and they used to be all about who how to think not what to think and over the five years i was involved in the organization great organization but it became very much of indoctrination and it was sad and i left that organization because they kept pounding uh, the things of of indoctrination and in the beginning when it started, it was pro and con on education, health care, science, everything you could think of. And it was great because then we got together in smaller groups and talked about these issues. And it was interesting, the urban versus the rural divide and how people approached issues. Not always, but a lot of times there was this back and forth mm-hmm. and kids got to hear each other. And then they would ask me, what do you think, Mr. Beck? And I thought, I have no opinion on that. This is not about me. This is about you. And so you probably won't like my answer, but it's about getting the ideas out there and judging no one for their position, but 
asking them questions about why did they think that's important. Why, where did you learn it? Mm-hmm. Who taught it to you? You'll find a lot more by asking questions. You know, where did you grow up is a great question to ask people because you get a lot of thing, a lot of information about that mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, your ideas are wrong. And when you push, you get pushed back. Mm-hmm. But if you ask in a general and heartfelt way, you get a lot of information. So you start having an understanding and start having some dialogue rather than fighting. Well, and that is why it is so important, though, because there are real truths. This is the other thing is we have uh, we've I think we're in the spot that we're in is because we've not realized that there is actual truth. And ideally, we need to be searching for that. Peggy Peggy Prost, we have just about 30 seconds. How would you like to button up this hour? Can't wait until we talk with General Ron in this next hour. But uh, what's your thoughts? So I think it's so important, you know, some of the things we've discussed this morning, um, just really teaching kids how to think, not what to think, using those critical thinking skills, um, ensuring the teachers come into the classroom knowing how to do that critical thinking uh, with, you know, training with their kids, um, seeking to understand other people, um, making sure that we're not going to indoctrinate our kids uh, in the school with um, ideas and concepts that are um, and the antithesis to what parents want their kids to know Mm -hmm. and be able to do. Um, really, we've got to come alongside our parents. And I just want to encourage parents, do not give up. Do not lose heart. Stay strong. Be vigilant. Let's do this together because with that army, with those people all together, we can go out and we can fight this. I think it goes back to the quote of Dwight D. Eisenhower again, right? Persistence. Persistence. There, there is a solution, but we've got to do it together. Absolutely. We can fix this. We can so. fix this. Brad Beck, final thought? Well, the best way in my mind to help people is to help them think. That's really where this genesis of this article came about. Well, that'll be in uh, our newsletter this weekend. So the quote for the end of the day, this is Dwight D. Eisenhower, D-Day. And he's talking to the troops. He says, your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck. And let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and less well of honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. We'll be back for hour number two, and our featured guest is Major General John Ron. He uh, was on Omaha Beach on D-Day, and this uh, second hour can be heard from 10 to 11 tonight. This first hour, 1 to 2 in the afternoon on all KLZ platforms. We'll be right back. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show. This is hour two. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. 
my friends, you were made for this moment. Uh, great show, and it's so great to have our guests stay from hour one to hour two. Brad Beck is in studio, and we uh, talked about in the last hour this essay that will roll out this week in the cerebral crisis. Great piece. Well, thank you. And uh, so excited about that. Peggy Probst is running for State Board of Education, this new Congressional District 8. And I think I've got it. Peggy Probst, P-R-O-P-S-T, the number four kids.com. Aha. And producer Steve. It, you know, th- this is a great team that I get to work with. And that is producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Monday to you, producer Steve. A marvelous Monday, as <laughs> Billy Crystal would say. A marvelous Monday, for sure. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Socialism is such a bad idea, Brad Beck, that it has to come down to force. It's not about free stuff. That's just the carrot to get people to vote for it. Can you say, Jared Polis, four to $500 right before election time? Oh, do I digress? But uh, uh, socialism is you such do. a bad idea that it has to come down to force. But it's never compassionate to take other people's stuff whether or not it's their rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation. Oh, my gosh. Don't you feel like uh, it's a holdup every time you go to the gas pump? And, of course, the globalist elite's agenda, which that is playing out right now. It's a, mm-hmm. it's an assault on the American idea, Peggy Probst. It is an assault on the American middle class. We're in a time. But uh, you had a great, great quote from Frederick Douglass that you shared Uh, in the uh, previous segment. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about the quote that I have for the day. And that is from Dwight uh, Ike Eisenhower. He was a military officer, statesman. He was the 34th president of the United States during World War II. He was the supreme commander of the Allied uh, Expeditionary Force in Europe. He was a five-star general, born in 1890, died in 1969. Today is the anniversary of D-Day, and this is what he said. And Steve, I'm going to go to you first on this. For, for every obstacle, there is a solution. Persistence is the key. The greatest mistake is giving up. The word obstacle, Mike, it could very well apply to the overall goal for the day or for the, the, that mission that was set forth. But also, I'd break it down into smaller obstacles. Maybe Brad and I think alike. Um, like, is it Point to Hawk, where all yes. the cliffs were? Uh-huh. Right? The methodologies employed. I mean, the, the, the planners sit back and say, how are we going to do this? But this persistence... You know, to um, overcome each one of those obstacles, uh, it's, it's, it was very prevalent that day. Now, this is my understanding regarding Point du Hoc. And uh, standing there, looking down those cliffs when I was in Normandy. And anyway, the story that they told me is that, yes, there was all kinds of planning. And they had ladders that they were going to go up those cliffs. And, of course, the Germans were shooting down. But they hadn't, well, they had to be making changes. They were going to go in the day before, but the weather was so terrible. It was still terrible on the 6th, but the tide was different. So the ladders didn't make it all the way to the top. So they had to free climb up while they're being shot at. And I, the first guys up over the, the cliff, I mean, it's amazing the amount of time. So they didn't give up. They, ah, it's just I can't wait to talk to General Ron. One of the things that I've learned in your interviews was um, 
they had you know practiced to, to propel these grappling hooks up over the you know to the top of the cliffs and it worked in the testing area but the ropes got wet which made them heavier and now all of a sudden the charge wasn't great enough to throw that hook high enough so there was one guy that had missed the command one of the the, the captains of the ship had missed the command saw that they they um, were not getting those grappling ropes to the cliffs so then he made adjustments and got those there. Brad Beck, it's a mar- it's an it's an not a marvel, it's an amazing story, D-Day. Well, you talk about persistence, but it has a twin, determination. And those men were determined to fight Nazism, to free Europe, to free mankind. And so when you have that combination, you can do marvelous things. And they went forward with the, the bullets passing through them and around them. They saw their comrades die their buddies die, and yet they still moved forward. And whether it was the fear propelling them or knowing that their survival was paramount at that point, they kept going forward. And that's a great lesson for us today is keep moving forward. You're going to find all kinds of obstacles and things that are going to be roadblocks in your life. But if you keep moving forward through all the nonsense and through all the pain and through all the trials and tribulations, You'll get to the other side, Mm -hmm. but you have to be persistent and be determined. Well, and I used to be a sports hound. I don't have time to do that anymore because, except go avalanche. Well, politics is in public policy (laughs) sport. It is. But somebody said great quarterbacks are always moving their feet. They're always moving so that they're always in a position. Uh, for that next opportunity. So, Peggy Probst, your comments regarding Dwight D. Eisenhower, for every obstacle there is a solution. Persistence is the key. The greatest mistake is giving up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when they were going over the top, um, you know, they probably knew that they were they were going to sacrifice and sacrifice their, sacrifice their life. But it was for a cause. It was for a reason. It was for a passion. It was looking at American exceptionalism and knowing that while our founding fathers were flawed, they still set up the government for the greatest country and governance system in the whole entire world that we've ever seen. And they were fighting for that. Um, That's one of the things I think we're lacking in our schools today. We're not training and giving people the insight and the depth and the critical thinking skills to go back and look at history and say, we, we need to fight for a purpose. We mm-hmm. have a cause and a reason that we're fighting for. Um, we're not just here to exist. Mm-hmm. We are here for American exceptionalism. Well, and that exceptionalism that you're talking about is this vision of the Declaration, which was radical throughout history. This idea that all men are created equal with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It was a radical idea. We take it for granted. And uh, I was going through all these different quotes, and, and it was such an interesting group. These four veterans, then there were some students that had won an essay contest to get to go. This was from the D- Denver Police Activities League. Then there were police officers that had won an essay contest that were there. So it was just such an interesting group. And one of the things is Teddy Roosevelt Jr. was uh, commanding some guys to go on to I, I want to say it was Utah Beach but I'm not sure and they got dumped you know there's a lot going on they got dumped off at the wrong beach or wrong area I think they were you know yards away from where they were supposed to be and he goes ashore and he says then the war starts here and that's what they did so we're going to go to break um, 
I can't wait for you. To, this is this is such an amazing opportunity for both of you to get to to talk to General Ron. And this whole experience has been amazing to me. But uh, I had interviewed um, World War II veteran Ralph Whitlock, and he had told me a story that when he was a child, he was at a Memorial Day parade, and there were three guys in a touring car with uniforms on. And he said, who are those guys? And then he said, well, those are Civil War veterans. And I thought, oh my gosh, I am looking into the eyes of somebody that saw a Civil War veteran alive. And so the fact that you're going to get to talk with General Ron, who was on uh, uh, on Omaha Beach on D-Day, is an amazing experience. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned Remax realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. I am so honored to have on the line with me a man who I've had, uh, again, great honor to interview several times, and that is Major General John Ron, and he was a young captain on Omaha Beach on D-Day, which uh, was June 6, 1944. This is the anniversary of that. Uh, General Ron, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Kim. It is great to have and I wanted to let you know that my guests from our hour number one, we now have two hours. Uh, both wanted to stay in studio because they wanted to be here for the interview with you as well. So uh, Brad Beck is here. and uh, It's an honor to uh, hear you and, and to be in the studio. And to, uh, I want to say thank you for all you've done for our country. Well, I thank you. <laughs> and then Peggy Probst is also in studio, and she's running for State Board of Education out here. General Ron, and she also um, worked it out with her schedule to stay in as well because she wanted to be here for this interview also. Heartfelt gratitude, General Ron, for everything that you've done and the sacrifices you and your comrades have made to protect our freedom. And we want to go back and make sure that this type of history is learned in our schools and that our kids understand. Well, I thank you very much. I don't think that I can do much for you to to help you with your campaign. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, let's talk about D-Day, June 6, 1944. Uh, Tell us uh, where you were, uh, uh, you know, as you're preparing to to go in that morning. Tell us what was happening, General Ron. Well, it was very interesting. Uh, I was aboard the uh, HMS Prince Baldwin, which was originally a uh, Dutch channel steamer 
but uh, because of the war, the British had uh, impounded it and made it into a troop ship. And uh, I was on the deck and in and out of the steerage cabin um, doing whatever the liaison of the Army had to do with the British crew of this ship. It was very interesting. I'd come on uh, probably at 10 o'clock that uh, night, and uh, when we reached midnight, I said, uh-oh, I don't think I'm going to go get my relief. I'm going to let him sleep in. So I stayed aboard uh, for another hour, and it got colder and colder as the storm got worse and worse. And uh, again, it came time for my next relief to come aboard and I said I'll let him sleep he's got a lot of heavy duties to do tomorrow or today by then it was so um, I stayed on another uh, hour which made it a total of three hours and at that particular point um, there was the beginning of daylight it was awfully early for daylight because it was what 2 a.m. or something like that and um, things were aboard, or beginning to move around on the ship. Uh, breakfast was being served to those who had the courage to eat breakfast on a day like that. And um, everybody else was checking equipment, and the noises of a ship waking up are, are really quite interesting. And, of course, the sun was beginning to have an influence on uh, what we were seeing and hearing and the storm continued with the the seas running somewhere between six and eight feet which is quite choppy for the small boats we would be getting in on mm -hmm. and uh, as we uh, daylight began to creep in uh, we heard the cry that we had all been waiting for attention on deck attention on deck U.S. Rangers to boat stations, so we all moved to the boat stations, and uh, we were quite lucky on the Bodwin. We had uh, seven landing craft assault. These are about the same size as the Higgins boat, but uh, they lie lower in the water and uh, have some little armor and the coxswain has definite armor around him, so uh, it was a a nice arrangement for us. The uh, Higgins boat was looked a little larger, but uh, it carried uh, about thirty-five troops aboard it, and so did our little LCAs carry about thirty-five troops aboard it. So, in any event, uh, we loaded into our uh, landing craft assault and uh, were lowered into the water, which was very convenient. We didn't have to go down any cargo netting or anything like that and uh, didn't have to end up by jumping eight feet into a bouncing uh, landing craft or anything like that. So we, uh, we, we got into our boats very, very well. Only trouble was the seas were running somewhere around six feet, and that meant that water was coming over the sides into the uh, troop-carrying uh, 
I guess we call it area. And um, we took off and started in towards shore. Uh, it was really close to four when we uh, did farewell to the Prince Bodwin and uh, started on our 12-mile trip in. The seas were still getting rough, but um, they were less rough as we got in closer to the shore, which was a godsend. We were bailing with our helmets. Uh, as you may know, the American helmet of World War II was actually a two-piece thing. It had a an outer shell of metal and an inner shell with netting and things to hold the helmet on. So it was... Uh, you had to pull the helmet shell off and use it as a bucket to help the pumps try to keep our little vessels afloat. So we're on our way in. It is exactly 5.40 in the morning, and there's a tremendous roar, bang, crash, whatever you want to call it. And uh, both the major aboard the vessel and myself jumped up to see what the heck had happened and uh, the British officer who was in charge of our little boat said sirs that is the USS Texas opening fire on the uh, coast of France the first round was the Texas's so we uh, looked out at the Texas the smoke was still clearing and they were already loading for their second round and they uh, actually were shooting at the very place we intended to go, at La Pointe de Oc. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a promontory on the uh, Normandy coast, halfway between the American Beach, Utah, and the American Beach, Omaha. My boat was going to Omaha. Other boats were going to Utah as well as Omaha. And... Uh, as we uh, worked our way in, the thing we knew always happens in wartime. At the first shot, which was when the Texas fired that one round, I should say one broadside, at the first shot, the plan had already completely unraveled and was no longer workable. The guideboat that was to take the 2nd Battalion. I was in the 1st Ranger Battalion, but our, our mission was to support the 2nd Ranger Battalion, to be their backup to do the job if they couldn't do it. So um, in any event, the uh, guideboat leading the 2nd Battalion to Plant Auk lost its radar and lost uh, a couple of other detection systems and the only thing they had was a magnetic compass to navigate. And that's not really enough to navigate in storm waters like uh, we had at that particular time. So um, our first mission, our plan A, simply was not going to be accomplished. The plan had already been wrecked by the fact that... Uh, the 2nd Battalion was not going to be able to land on time. We waited around for them. They didn't show, and we then were told 
to go to Vierville, which was the main town on the Omaha Beach. Um, as we passed the beach and started inward, the landing control boats, which were small craft located about a thousand yards off the shore, uh, they told us not to land at Vierville. The casualties were running around 98%. Now, half of those were killed, and half of them were wounded. Only eight men out of 197 actually uh, were unwounded in those first landings at Vierville. So we moved to the left, and we let started to land on Omaha Dog White, and uh, our casualties were so high, around 50%, but not all killed. Uh, our casualties were so high that uh, we called off our landing on White Beach and moved down another beach. I mean, this is the fourth beach we've tried. And uh, we lucked out. We landed on a rel relatively quiet beach and uh, took only four casualties. Can you imagine that? Four casualties out of over 500 troops. And uh, we landed hardly even, even scathed and uh, reorganized then took off blew the barbed wire the Germans had laid beyond the uh, coastal road and uh, went up the bluffs and were in hedgerow, company, uh, hedgerow country and at that particular point we might say that Hitler had already been defeated because we had breached his west wall. General Ron, uh, let's go to break. Um, I have some questions, just kind of remembering some things from our previous interviews about uh, your time. Was it Red Beach, Red Dog Beach that you ended up on? I couldn't, can't remember. Um, actually, I ended up on the left end, the east end of uh, White Beach. Of White Beach, okay. okay. But the battalion itself, most of them landed on uh, Red Beach. Okay. Okay, let's go to break. In studio with me is Brad Beck and Peggy Probst. On the line with us is Major General John Ron. He was a young captain, June 6, 1944, on Omaha Beach. Stay tuned. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. 
Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Get to the range at Franktown Firearms and get your shooting skills back in shape. You consider yourself an experienced shooter, but you haven't been to the range in a while. Remember, defensive shooting skills are perishable. Firing a gun is not like riding a bike. Unless you practice regularly, don't count on your muscle memory to kick in when you need it. The team at Franktown Firearms believes the only difference between a beginner and an expert is practice. They want to give you the certainty that in a fight-or-flight scenario, you won't freeze. Imagine your frustration should you find yourself in the situation where you need to defend yourself or others, and you don't react the way you thought you would. Make sure you can count on your instincts. Sign up for a membership now. Mention KLZ Radio for a discount on your initiation fee. Walk-ins and non-members also welcome. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown now. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. In studio with me is Brad Beck, one of my fellow Liberty Toastmasters, and has an essay coming out in our newsletter this weekend, The Cerebral Crisis. Peggy Probst is running for State Board of Education, CD8. And I can just tell both of you, I can see you understand what an honor it is to have this guest with us. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, on the line with us is Major General John Ron. He was a young captain, June 6, 1944, D-Day, World War II, on the beaches of Omaha. And General Ron is going to stay with us uh, for the complete hour. Normally, the last uh, segment of the show, we do call-ins. And I will take two call-ins in that next segment if you have a question for General Ron. What an opportunity, 303-477-5600. General Ron, uh, you and I have, have I've had the honor of doing several interviews with you. And one of the stories that I remember that you had said is uh, you guys are on the beach now and you see this guy off, uh, off to, um, I can't remember which way it was, but anyway, you looked at him and you're like, this guy is either crazy or he's important. So tell us a little bit about that story. Well, yes, uh we had landed, and as I told you, we'd landed intact, and the battalion, that is, had landed intact. So we had 500 men approximately there ready to uh, cut, cut the barbed wire across the road and go attack Hitler's West Wall. So that was the situation. I'd gotten the orders of what to do, because at this particular point in time, we were well over five miles from where we wanted to be and were supposed to be, but we had been gradually chased by casualties uh, down the beach to uh, one mile beyond or east of uh, Vierville. And uh, 
we were raring to go. But um, a couple of my men said, hey, Captain, look at that crazy guy down the beach. And I looked down the beach, and here was this rather portly individual waving his hand, chewing an unlit cigar, and yelling at the troops whenever he pulled the cigar out of his mouth. And we decided to guess as to what he was. Uh, he was approaching us, so I knew that in a few minutes I'd be able to find out who he was. Uh, he kept yelling at the troops and gesticulating and things like that as he finished that last hundred yards till he got to where I was. I went down to meet him as he rounded a corner of the uh, breakwaters that they had on that particular beach. The breakwaters went out about 25 yards from the seawall, and uh, they formed nice little forts for us. Uh, two sides uh, on the beach, one side on the seawall, and then, of course, the uh, English Channel uh, behind us. So as he came around the corner, I took a look at him, and whoops, he had a nice little silver star on his collar. And I said, Plan B. So I went down and reported to him, and the, I said, Sir, Captain Ron, 5th Ranger Inf Infantry Battalion. And he said, Ron, Ron, are you Jack Ron's son? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And this is unbelievable. We meet on a beach in combat for the first time, and he knows my father. And uh, it was quite interesting from there. He asked the situation, and I gave him the situation as I knew it. Uh, I'm on the end of about a 250-yard front, where we have some 500 men crammed in, in six companies plus headquarters. So, um, General, he turned out to be uh, the father of a classmate of mine at West Point, and uh, he was also the commander on the beach. And what he'd been doing was trying to convince the troops to our right to get off the beach or they would die on the beach. And that's very true. You had to get off that beach because the artillery was beginning to come in and land on the beach itself. Up till then, uh, the, all the cannon firing on the beach had fired at ships. And when you fired a ship, you may get 250 casualties if you uh, happen to hit him right. And on a anything much smaller than the ship, they didn't waste their ammunition. So that was a, a situation as it existed on that beach. Uh, General Coda thanked me, and as he left me, he turned around and said, uh, you men are rangers, I know you won't let me down, which was another way of kicking us in the fannies and getting <laughs> us to move through the holes in the wire and up the bluffs. So that's essentially what happened with General Coda. One other thing to add, though, as he moved the some 75 yards to where a hole had been blown in the wire, he passed dozens of rangers. There were 500 of them in 250 yards, so that means about two every yard. And uh, he said different things to them. He congratulated them. He said... Uh, move out, get get through that hole that's been blown in the wire, and all these encouraging things. 
and he finally got to my colonel and said, uh, Colonel, things are in a terrible jam here on this beach. You've got to lead the way. And uh, Rangers lead the way uh, was morphed out of that into the Ranger motto of today, Rangers lead the way. And that is where that comes from. And uh, that was General uh, Brigadier General Norman Cota that you're talking about, correct, General Ron? Yes, Norman Daniel Cota. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about these hedgerows. Explain what these hedgerows are. They're not just a little hedge. Uh, And this was something that uh, we didn't realize was going to be so difficult when they got onto the beaches in Normandy, France. So explain these hedgerows. Okay, we had, all of us Americans had gone through England and we'd seen those lovely hedges that the English cultivate. They are always well weeded. They are trimmed in their height and things like that. Lovely, lovely little hedgerows. And we thought that the markings on the map were hedges just like the English. Not so. A hedgerow was probably started 500, maybe even 1,000 years before when the farmers uh, decided who owned what land. And they marked the land that they owned by taking the rocks that would impede planting and lining them up as walls. So they had stone walls. Now, as they kept farming, they kept pulling out more stones, so they piled them on these walls. Uh, When they plowed, the spill from the plowing covered the walls, and little plants began to grow. And as the birds uh, went down and harvested the seeds, as they flew around, they would drop their seeds. And before long, these things that started as a pile of rocks had grown into huge mounds, some of them as much as 10 feet high, with trees sprouting out of them and things like that. Very, very formidable obstacles to troops. Tanks would bang and try to get through those uh, hedgerows, and all they do is climb up and expose their uh, poorly armored bellies, let's call it that. So uh, that's what a hedgerow is. We found out how to defeat them uh, very, very quickly. Um, A hedgerow, fortunately, when we were there, the crop had not been harvested. So the crops in those farmlets created by the hedgerows, those crops were like four-foot grasses or corn stalks and things like that. And uh, if you got shot at, all you had to do was drop to the ground, and whoever shot at you would not know where you were as far as range was concerned. So they wouldn't know where to shoot. And... um, As soon as you dropped to the ground, you'd roll uh, a few feet to the right or left, and then you could crawl to the edge of the farm and uh, crawl over the hedgerow, go down the far side, and come in behind the Germans. Worked very well. And uh, they solved the tank problem by putting uh, plows in front of them, and you just jam those plows into the hedgerow, move uh, your uh, track so that you work right and left 
and uh, the blades, which were made, by the way, of uh, the German iron, steel, and so on, obstacles that we found in the water. And uh, with just a couple of right or left, you could cut right through the hedgerow with these blades, and uh, that kind of shook the German defenses up, too. General Ron, as you're mentioning this, here Hitler, and, and I'd seen pictures of the obstacles that were along those beaches, and I'm just thinking, American ingenuity, uh, here were these things that were supposed to stop uh, the Allies, the Americans, from uh, getting a toehold onto the European continent, but yet creativity and innovation takes those things that were meant to stop them and were used then to actually push us forward. I find that pretty interesting, General Ron. Well, it is, and it was it was a sergeant in the engineers, and uh, uh, he observed the failure to breach these uh, hedgerows and said, I could fix that, and so he made these blades, just like scissor blades, really, and uh, you'd jam them into the uh, dirt and rocks and things, and traverse right and left, and the next thing you know, you had yourself a 10-foot gap in a hedgerow. It's remarkable. General Ron, we're going to go to break. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, And what I think I'd like to do is we'll take two questions from callers. Uh, Peggy, if you have a question or comment, Brad, we'll we'll go to you on that. Uh, General Ron, thank you so much. We are recognizing the uh, 78th anniversary of the D-Day landings, June 6, 1944, World War II. Remarkable stories. Major General John Ron's on the line with us. He was a captain on Omaha Beach. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to the nonprofit charity that I am have adopted, and that is the USMC Memorial Foundation. And Paula Sarles, her whole team, she is a Vietnam-era uh, uh, Marine veteran, and she is also a Gold Star wife. She and her team have taken it upon them to raise the money to remodel the Marine Memorial out at Six and Colfax. If you want to help them, go to USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. We'll be right back with General Ron, Brad Beck, and Peggy Probst. Medical freedom and personal choice are both sacred to comprehensive, patient-first health care. At Roots Medical, our providers honor those rights diligently in every appointment. Located in Denver Tech Center, Roots Medical is a functional primary care clinic with specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Establishing care with us is just a text message away, 303-569-6794. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. 
Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Tell you what, some, some guys that stood up against force was the Allies, the Americans, on D-Day, June 6, 1944. On the line with us is Major General John Ron. He was a young captain on Omaha Beach. We'll take two call-ins, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600, if you have a question for General Ron. But Peggy Probst, you're running for uh, State Board of Education, CD8. And what's your question for General Ron? Well, certainly, you know, all of us can be inspired and motivated by what you're talking about today. So I have the question of, like, what what motivated and inspired you, even in the face of great adversity and potential death, to move forward? Well, it's very simple, and it is the one thing that makes the difference between good soldiers and bad soldiers or people that accomplish their mission and those that don't accomplish their mission. And the thing is, the one magic thing is training. Uh, in, in civilian life, you can uh, equate education with training because that's about what you get in schools and things like that. And it is absolutely crucial because it teaches you how to perform your trade and to do it well so that you have no surprises when surprising things happen you're still able to operate because you have, in training, you have probably been through the exact same situation and had to solve it on your own that time. But how much better it is when you don't have live ammunition and uh, you can uh, make mistakes without consequences. Okay. Very well said, General Ron. Okay, Brad Beck, what's your question? General Ron, again, thank you for uh, all you did to really make our world freer. I appreciate it so much, and I'm I'm very grateful. But my question to you, and I'm listening to you, and, and your clarity of memory is so keen. What was the clarity that you have that you can share with us about this particular mission and what it meant to the world going forward at the time. Yeah, well, I'm very lucky that I have a good memory. Uh, By the way, I'm surprised that Jim didn't uh, mention it. I was uh, 100 years old (laughs) about about, uh, two weeks ago. So, uh, Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. It's a pretty good life that I've led, and uh, I've always had a good memory. Up to about age 14 or 15, I really believed I could remember absolutely everything that happened to me in life. Of course, I couldn't. There were a lot of little things, like I wouldn't remember my brushing my teeth on April uh, 19 of 1924 or 5 or something. But um, I could remember the important things. But after age 14, it was only the important things that I remembered. And um, what I found is I've assisted many authors. And um, when they ask me a question, I say, geez, I don't remember a thing about that. But after I've put a little bit of thought in on it, um, 
the memories begin to come back. And now they are a part of my memory banks again. So um, memory is something that if you take care of it, it comes back and does what you want it to do. It's, uh, it's very interesting how you can and do memorize things. I can go back to age three and I can absolutely remember the time my mother was giving me castor oil and I spit it up <laughs> and her brother was aboard the ship that we were on and he said, oh, give it to me, give him to me, I'll get it down him and he held my nose and poured the castor oil down and it came back up all over his new white uniform. Oh, you showed him, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the nice thing about it was just before she died, and she lived to be 96, uh, just before she died, I asked her about that particular memory. She said, oh, no, oh, no, that was not uh, Tom McHugh. That was my brother, your uncle, Hugh McHugh. And I said, oh, no, oh, oh. I remembered the incident, but didn't know it well enough to remember which one of the Hughes uh, that I knew. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty amazing. Question, and that is the clarity of the mission. Did every? Do you think that uh, all of the troops understood just how big the mission was, how important it was? Well, I think certainly in the Rangers we did. We knew how important the mission was, and we knew how important our mission was. So we were going to get it done. Period. Um, one of the big weaknesses of the uh, invasion plan was the fact that uh, on some craft there were no officers. Everybody had expected the craft to stay close enough to a, one that had an officer from your company, and uh, you would get your orders and things there. But the way things turned out with that stormy sea, boats got separated, they landed as many as two miles, three miles apart, no officers, what do I do? I find the nearest seawall and I hunker down beside it, uh, put my fingers in my ears and hope I never see another war in my life. And uh, it was uh, a bad weakness that they didn't have people that knew the whole plan uh, as far as the unit was concerned. So, um, in the Rangers, every man knew the plan. Every man had a map. Every man had a compass. So on. Well, and didn't you, didn't uh, guys then, uh, I remember talking to Guy Whidden, who I went with to Normandy, 101st Airborne, that, uh, again, the, the plans had gone out the window, but they, they started to try to find each other and get their bearings where they were and then come together. And I think it's, again, it's a, it's a, a, a hats off to uh, the American ingenuity because, uh, granted, I'm, the guy said that the, the British were good soldiers, but they waited for orders. It seemed like Americans, when there was an adversity, that they would come together and try to figure it out. What's your thoughts on that, General Ron? Absolutely. Some of the greatest heroes were privates 
when they got on the landing craft or the aircraft, and they came out heroes uh, five minutes after they landed, after they landed, because they stood up and said, "Okay, guys, let's go." And uh, there weren't any officers weren't any officers around, so they uh, just took over, and privates took over the jobs of lieutenants and sergeants and things like that, and they kept moving because the really good ones had paid attention to the briefings and knew what the plans were. Wow. Okay, General Ron, we have just a couple of minutes left. What is, what, how would you like to button this up on this anniversary of D-Day, uh, June 6, 1944, for our listeners? Well, I hadn't thought of buttoning it up. I thought that's what your job was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your final thoughts then? <laughs> uh, well, my, my final thoughts are that uh, training in life we call it education there. But training in life is the thing that's going to get you where you want to go. You, you've got to know what the potentials are. You've got to know how to do things. And the more you learn uh, from your instructors, your foremen, your straw bosses, and things like that, the more you learn from them, the better you will do your job and the more progress you will make toward promotion and success in your job. Well, uh, that's for sure. Uh, Happy birthday to you, General Ron, 100 years old, and uh, what a remarkable things that have, have occurred in your life. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for asking me. Okay. What a great honor. Um, uh, Peggy Probst, we'll just go to you, your final thought. Gosh, um, General Ron, thank you so much. Um, I think what I heard you say is great about education, you know, and having a plan in place. And so often if we fail to plan, we plan to fail, right? And you guys had a plan and executed it well, and we are in deep gratitude for everything that you and your colleagues and comrades have done. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, Brad Beck. Well, this just goes to my belief that we all need mentors or coaches or somebody cheering us on, and that uh, uh, General Norman uh, Coda <clears throat> really did that and inspired you and your other Rangers to keep moving forward. And um, I'm just grateful for you and all those that uh, led the way. Great saying, Rangers lead the way, and they do. Yep, absolutely. General Ron, happy 100th birthday just recently. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Kim. It's been a pleasure. What a treat. What a treat. Uh, So, my friends, again, today is uh, the 78th anniversary of the D-Day landings, World War II. And you just heard from uh, Major General John Ron, young captain on those beaches. And this is what uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, said to said to the guys before they, they um, started that mission, he said, your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. So, my friends, today be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.
try, but tell them if I don't serve.